God of Jacob, great I am, King of angels, Son of man, voice of many waters, song of heaven strong, louder than the thunder, make your glory known.
thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you can lead us and guide us. Oh, we worship you in this house. Men of God, just lift your hands and worship. Oh, we worship you. worship you in this place, oh God. We come and bring everything at your feet. Holy Spirit, we need your direction in our lives. We need your direction in our lives. Oh, let's sing this together.
We're talking about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's the most winning, winning, winningest person ever. He's never lost a battle. He's never lost a fight. Hallelujah. We're talking about Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. We bless your holy name. Jesus. Jesus. Hitler. Deliverer. Friend who sticks closer than a brother. Holy One. Righteous One. Son of God. Lamb of God. The Great I Am. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. The Redeemer. Hallelujah. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We bless your holy name. We praise your holy name. We're so grateful and thankful, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just say his name as loud as you can. Say the name of Jesus. Jesus! Hallelujah! Jesus! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that you are in our midst because we are gathered here in your name. You are mighty to save. Your hand is not too short to heal. You're the reviver of dreams. You give us a peace that passes understanding. You're a very present help in trouble. And Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. I'm igniting in you a fire and my Holy Spirit will cause it to burn higher and higher I've lifted you up out of the miry clay and I've set your feet upon a rock so go forward and progress move in my presence Move in my passion and never stop and don't look back. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. How many are glad that you're here tonight? Jesus is glad that you're here tonight. Amen. We are men. And the greatest man ever is Jesus. And he wants you to be great. Apart from him, you can't be great. But with him, you can do great things. Do great exploits. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Praise the Lord.
We're so glad that you're here, and if you're watching online, we're glad for that too. And uh, I think that this is our eighth one of these, and um, I just want to say something about our guests, and I'm going to have them come up and just share for a brief moment here, and uh, but Pastor John George, he's known for his practical wisdom and in, intense vision to empower families, leaders, and men. And when I was thinking about how this conference was going to be, God put him on my heart, and uh, I'm so glad that God arranged this, and he's here for a divine assignment He ministers to thousands each year as he travels throughout the nation and the world preaching and teaching in crusades, seminars, conferences, and churches. Great numbers are saved, restored, filled with the Holy Spirit, healed and challenged to obey Jesus as John ministers. uh, As he ministers the word, he relies upon the leading of the Holy Spirit. Refreshingly direct and often humorous, John addresses the pertinent issues of your life to encourage, strengthen, and instruct and inspire you. Having come from a broken and dysfunctional home, John was desperate for real leadership in his life. Coaches, teachers, school leaders helped fill the void. But it wasn't until a man of God came into John's life that he began to overcome deficiencies by walking in submission and authority to the godly position in which he now flourishes. His wife, Darlene, uh, they've been happily married since 1981, and they have uh, two married adult children and uh, seven grandchildren, all faithfully serving the Lord. That's awesome. And uh, he understands that there's a void in leadership today. John believes it's due to the fatherhood crisis and generations of men shrinking responsibility of leading their families from the timeless values and principles of the Word of God. And this deficit morphs into a mass societal problem that we have today, but there's real solution available. Spiritual accountability. Hallelujah. I want you to welcome uh, Pastor John George here as he uh, greets you and says hi, and then uh, hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Pastor. Don't know who wrote all that stuff. I hope I can measure up. But, uh, you know, I can't help but see that uh, you got these rockets all around. It's kind of a rocket theme, blasting off and talking about igniting the Holy Spirit, launching us to a new place, right? Kind of reminds me of the Houston Astros. I'm from Texas. I went to school at University of Houston. Does anybody know that there's a baseball game going on in Houston tonight? Phillies? Is that who's playing? I'm kidding. I just want to give you a little hard time, but uh, but uh, I played football at the University of Houston, so I was an Astros fan, obviously, uh, but I've been a lifelong Yankees fan, which is bad in, in Texas, but when I was growing up, there were no Texas teams. The pro baseball doesn't ex- exist, so since Mickey Mantle lived in Dallas, I threw the Dallas Morning News every day. So I could read a Mickey Mantle story as a child. We didn't have TV, didn't have radio, didn't have any entertainment. So I, I got a free paper every day throwing them. So I read about Mickey Mantle. 
Roger Maris, etc. I became a Yankees fan. So that that was kind of organic and natural. But but what what I want to say to you is, uh, you know, I came here expecting, and I came here expecting God to do what God does. God does does excellent, and He does too. But He but but He does excellence. Uh, God, you think about us coming in and praising Him and giving Him glory and giving Him authority in our lives to do something. You know, that's part of what praise is. It's praising Him and thanking Him. We we enter into His gates with what? Thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him. Bless His holy name. So we're, we're, we honor Him with our praise. But I'll tell you what else it does. It also, we're acknowledging Him. It says in Proverbs that if we acknowledge Him, He will direct our paths. I don't know about you, but I need God to direct my path. You know, uh, you know, I, I, I've already tried it, doing it myself, and got off base really fast. You probably didn't, but I did. And and uh, it's it's so important that we acknowledge Him. He'll direct our paths, and He'll lead us and guide us by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, into all truth. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. And he shall speak of those things which only the Lord tells him to speak. In other words, the Holy Spirit is God's mouthpiece. So I don't know about you, but I I need to hear from God. Say this with me. I need God. I need God bad. I need God really bad. Point to your neighbor and say, so do you. See, we need him really bad. So... I'm I'm blessed to be here. Thank you, Pastor Doug, for this invitation. Blessed to be here. We're going to have a great time tonight. We're going to have a good time tomorrow as well. It's going to be a weekend that's going to impact you because it's going to be the Word. We've already been in His presence. And you know what? I learned something about God's presence. The Bible says, like, like was said, two or three are gathered in His name. There He is in the midst of them, right? Do you know that that the Lord doesn't come empty-handed. When He's invited to your house, He doesn't show up with nothing. Think about it. Now, we've all got relatives and friends. They get invited to your house, and they don't show up with anything, right? Huh? Or, you know, or, or ice that's melted, right? But it's appropriate for a guest to bring something to the house they're invited to. And the Lord always brings gifts. And these are the gifts He brings. He doesn't bring the stuff that's on the table. He doesn't bring, you know, you know, the Vanna White gifts. He brings gifts that are unique, special, perfect for each individual that's there, perfected, real, the necessary things. He never comes empty-handed. Now, this is what I learned about praise a long time ago and about thanksgiving. What am I doing when I'm giving him thanks and I'm praising him? I'm acknowledging him. So he'll direct my paths. Well, how does that work? When I sing these songs, every one of these songs we sang tonight were scriptural. When I sing these songs, I'm singing scripture back to him 
I'm giving him permission to be those things in my life. When I quote the word, I'm giving him permission to be that in my life. When I read Psalms and I, I, I find out that he's my strong tower, he's my, he's my deliverer, he, he's, my, he's my sanctification, he's my righteousness, he's all these he's my healer, come on, he's the, he's the, 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 the joy and the lifter of my head, come on, he's my, he's my baptizer, he's my, you know, when you're singing and saying the word of God, you're giving him permission to be those things in your life. Amen? So that's why singing is important. Praising is important. And you know what? I've learned something. Praise is personal. In other words, there's nobody else that can praise for me. My wife can't praise for me. Ladies, your husband can't praise for you. Young people, your parents can't praise for you. Praise is personal. In other words, that's where I engage myself and I I get into his presence myself by spending time thanking Him, praising Him, acknowledging Him. And when I do that, great things happen. You see, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I wasn't raised with a godly dad. I wasn't raised with a godly mom. My parents separated when I was four. My mom became an alcoholic and a drug addict. I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't raised in the things of God. And I found out really fast what the world has to offer. And it has nothing compared to what God offered me. Amen? So I'm not up here. I'm not up here as this. I'm, I'm not into church entity. I'm not into, into the religious and religiosity and religion. I'm into the relationship with him. And I try to cut to the chase. So that's why I am direct. Because I cut to the chase. I learned a long time ago, if I want to get somewhere, I want to take the direct route. I don't want to zigzag like oftentimes GPS. I zigged and zagged on the way here tonight because GPS is just not all that great. I, I was in a church in, in, in Texas one time for the very first time, and the pastor told me, you know, it's not far from your hotel at all, and it took me 35 minutes to get there. My GPS took me through a cul-de-sac. zigged and zagged through all these neighborhoods, and I'm thinking, there's no way. And I finally ended out on this main road that I recognized. I'd even been by the church before, but I didn't know it was there because I'm looking at my GPS. And, no, it's not here. It took me 35 minutes. It was a five-minute drive. So I'm convinced that whoever whoever was operating the, the Google platform, that I, I was using Google Maps at the time. I stopped doing that. Whoever was doing that Google driving either was on drugs, drunk, or completely oblivious of their surroundings to zig and zag through all those neighborhoods. And that's the way a lot of Christians are. They're chasing the wrong thing to need to get to get where they need to go. They're chasing all these other things that religion offered. What does that remind us of? Remind us of the, reminds us of the children of Israel that made an 11-day walk into a 40-year journey. We don't, have, we don't have 40 years, folks. This thing is winding down at warp speed. 
We don't have 40 years to mess around and to, to, to chase religion. We need to get right to the chase. We need to be the church. We just don't need to go to church. We need to be the church. Come on, somebody. Amen. So we're going to have a great time. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, speaking tomorrow, and uh, hallelujah. Say, I'm blessed. blessed. Amen. Well, we are here tonight to level up. And I want you to know that you're not too old to level up. You're not too young to level up. All right? How many want to level up? Well, this is the theme for this weekend. And what does it mean to level up? It means to progress to the next level. How many know that there's another level? There's another dimension. Hallelujah. You know, when a football team gets a first down, there's another first down. And another first down until they can get into the end zone. They can make as many first downs as they can until they can score a point. Amen? So it's to go to the next level. It means to increase. How many like to increase? God's in the increase business, not the decrease business. And I want to say thanks to all the ladies uh, that are here, here helping and the ones that have helped. We so appreciate Let's give them a big hand. And uh, to our praise and worship team of our church. Awesome. Thank you, thank you. So, another meaning of the word level up is to step up. How many know if you want to go up, you've got to step up? Right? If you want to get on the elevator, the doors will open for you, but you've got to walk in. You've got to push the buttons. Of course, uh, I was on the elevator where they didn't have any buttons. That was a little weird. But it was kind of cool, but it was a little weird. Like, which, uh, there weren't any buttons, but I went up. <laughs> Another term for level up means to grow up or to go up. Oh, I've done all the growing I can. No, you haven't, because you're still on this earth. If you haven't been promoted yet, there's growth to be had. Amen? It means uh, to boost you know, we got rockets on our tables. How many know rockets need a boost? They need some high fuel to get them off the ground and out of this orbit. Hallelujah. And I want to recognize my good friend, Steve Hoffman, Reverend Steve Hoffman. He's one of our board members, and it's so good to have you here, plus a good friend. Amen. And uh, it means to... Uh, to to go higher. How many could go higher? Or to improve your skill. Amen? These are all things what it means to level up. To go to a higher level or a standard. To raise the bar. How many want to raise the bar tonight? You know, you can raise the bar. All right? And, uh, Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, if not, you can look up on the screen. I want to read Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 16. I'm going to be reading it from the Amplified. 
It says, may he grant you out of the riches of his glory. Our God has got so much, so plenty, that his supply will never run dry. His, his, he will never run out. There will never be a shortage with God. Out of the riches of his glory to be strengthened. That sounds to me like you can, you can get more stronger than what you are right now. To be strengthened and spiritually energized with power. How many could use some spiritual energy for some power in your life? We need some, we need some powerful men. I mean, we don't just need power lifters. We need some power movers, mountain movers. Amen? To be spiritually energized with power through his spirit in your inner self indwelling in your innermost being and personality so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You're not going to go to the next level. You're not going to increase apart from Christ. We need Christ in our life. All right? He says, uh, And you having been rooted and grounded in love to be fully Capable of comprehending with all the saints the width, the length, the depth, and the height of his love. God's got some dimensions to his love. How many could use uh, some more insight into his love? Think that'd be helpful? Amen. You can talk to me. You're not bench warmers, you're participants. Come on, if, if your team was in the game, you'd be cheering them on. You'd say, come on, batter, 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 come on, swing. Man, when I played baseball, I played baseball every summer, you know, they'd say, come on, batter, 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 swing. Or, you know, they're hoping for out. And then when the ref makes a bad, or when the uh, umpire makes a bad call, then they really get loud. <laughs> Amen. So this verse, this passage of Scripture is telling us to be strengthened, spiritually energized, empowered, and filled with all the fullness of God. You got some room for God to fill in some areas of your life? Hallelujah. Ephesians 1.3 says we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Say, I'm blessed. God has given us everything that we need, everything that uh, the, the, the task calls for. We are equipped with everything we need to do what God's called us to do. And Ephesians 2.6 says, He raised us up together with him and seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, when you're sitting up here, how big are your problems? They're like ants. Some of us need to change our perspective. Our problems have been up here, but we need to take the high seat and make our problems smaller. How do you make your problems smaller? You magnify God. All right? I want to talk to you tonight about three people, persons, and groups that leveled up. The first one is the nation of Israel. And I want you to go to Genesis chapter 15. Did you know that God, when you were born, God set you up for success? When you were born, he had a plan for your life. He had an assignment for you to do. He had a calling for you to fulfill. You were not born an accident, right? You were born on purpose for a purpose. Say, I have a purpose. My wife's got a book about finding your purpose. And uh, 
Hallelujah. So in Genesis chapter 15, we're going to look at verse 14. I'm sorry, I told you verse 6. It's Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Glory to God. And notice, uh, this is talking about uh, Abraham. He is the father of faith. He believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And uh, in verse uh, 14, God and Abraham were having a conversation. And he was telling him about his future. You know, if Abraham didn't have a future, God wouldn't have anything to say. But Abraham did have a future. You know, your life is more than about you. It's about the next generation. Amen? All of us are impacting a generation. This one and the next one. All right? And so God had something to say about uh, Abraham's generation. And he said in verse 14, he was talking about that uh, his people were going to be enslaved. And they were going to be enslaved in Egypt. Egypt is a type of sin. And we were all born into a form of Egypt. But if you met Jesus, you're no longer in Egypt. Glory to God. Okay? And so he says, but on that nation, well, let me read verse 13. God said to Abram, know for sure that your descendants, he hadn't even had any father, he hadn't even, he hadn't even had any children yet. And God is talking about his descendants. You know, God always speaks to you what he sees you as, not what you are. He, he spoke to Gideon, who was hiding in a wine press. He called him a mighty man of valor. Because he knew that he was going to take a group of 299 men and defeat an innumerable army. All right, so he says, your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. Where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. And I'm going to read verse 14 in just a minute. But when you were born... You were enslaved and you were oppressed because you had a sin nature. I had a sin nature. We all had a sin nature when we were born. We were enslaved. We were oppressed because the original sin infected us all. We were all born into sin. But thank God when God butts in, he's about to change some things. But on that nation whom your descendants will serve, I will bring judgment, and afterward they will come out. Look at your neighbor and say, we're coming out. You know what? If the world can come out, so can the Christians. Now, the world comes out to proclaim something negative, but we ought to come out of our prayer closet with power. Come on. We got to come out. With vision. We got to come out with purpose. Okay? They're going to come out. Notice this next phrase with great possessions. Would you say that going from a slave to having great possessions, that's a level up? That's an increase. That's some progress. Now, he is saying this before it has ever happened. He is speaking it into existence because God sees the end before the beginning. 
And he is setting his people up. Yeah, you're going to be enslaved, but as a slave, you're going to gain wealth. That's a level up. All right, let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. Oh, my goodness. We've been praying for you guys. And now is the moment. Now is the time. Look at your neighbor and say, now is the time. This is your time to seize this moment. This is your carpe diem. All right, seize the day. All right, Exodus chapter 3, verse 21. Okay, we're, we're, we're jumping ahead, all right, a lot of years. And Israel has been enslaved. They've been enslaved for over 400 years. And God had a conversation with the shepherd on the backside of a desert. Listen, if you're on the backside of a desert, God knows how to get in touch with you. All right? Moses had a conversation with a bush. Okay? And now he was chosen to be the deliverer of the people whom God was going to bring out who were slaves who went from slavery to wealthy. Say from slavery to wealthy. Can you make that transition? Was that a good transition? Okay. Exodus chapter 3, verse 21. Here's what it says. And I will give this people... Well, let me back up to verse 19. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand. You know, when God stretches out his hand, things happen. And he said, uh, I will and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. Say, so he's going to let me go. I'm telling you, God's going to work some things on your behalf that the enemy just can't, he can't maintain his grip on you anymore. His grip will be loosed, his chains will be broken, and his prison will be opened. Hallelujah. Okay? And verse 21, and I will give this people favor. Who's going to give you favor? God's going to give me favor. Say, I have God's favor. Say, I'm God's favorite. I'm going to give you favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty. Everybody hold out your hand. Say, this is about to be filled. Going from empty to full. That's a level up. Okay? Verse 22. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor. And of her that sojourns in her house, jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and clothing or raiment, and you shall put them on your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. Everybody say spoil. How can a slave that doesn't own a weapon, that doesn't have an army, that doesn't have a general, going to spoil a nation that's the most powerful nation on the earth at that time. I'm telling you, when, when God is on your side, who, can anyone be against you? Can anyone stop you? Hallelujah. God was going to do this. 
He was going to take his people into the next level. They had been slaves for 430 years. They had been told what to do, where to work, how to work. They had uh, harsh taskmasters. They had demanding physical labor. And they were crying out for a deliverer. But God had a plan. He wasn't just going to bring them out. He was going to bring them out with some stuff. You know, God's into back pay. You know, 400 years of back wages. All right? So God, God told Abraham hundreds of years before this happened. Now it's happening. He's telling Moses what he needs to do to carry out this plan to go to the next level. Going to the next level is simple. Come on, you don't believe that. You think that going to the next level is hard. No, it's simple. When you're trusting God, it's hard your way. It's hard in the natural. It seems impossible in the natural, but with God, how many things are possible? All things to who? To them that believe. How many believers we got here tonight? Amen. Okay? All right? So the plan was, you're going to ask your boss... Think about you guys that are working right now. You go to your boss and say, I want your gold, your silver, and your clothes. And they're going to say, okay, take what you want. Right? How would that work without God? If he was a gun carrier, he might uh, convince you otherwise, right? Okay. All right, go to Exodus chapter 11. Exodus chapter 11, and look at verse 2. So this was the final plague that God was going to bring on Egypt. Exodus eleven two. it says, Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor And every woman of her neighbor jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt. In the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. You know, Moses could walk into Pharaoh's court. And even though he was on Egypt's most wanted, no one could lay a handcuff on him. No one could arrest him. No one could stop him. No one could tell him to shut up. When you're doing God's plan God's way, he makes things happen. So, they were going to get all this stuff from their neighbors. Go to chapter 12 and verse 35. Chapter 12 and verse 35. Hmm. Here's the key. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. Say, you've got to act according to the word. If you want to go to the next level, you're going to have to do what the word says to do. Amen? They did according to the word that Moses said, because God told Moses and Moses told the people, because they didn't have the Holy Ghost in them, that's how he had to lead them back then. 
He had to lead them externally. He had to speak to a chosen vessel, and the chosen vessel would speak to the people or the individual. But now we have, if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, and God will talk directly to you. So they did according to the word of Moses, and they borrowed of the Egyptians jewels of silver, jewels of gold, and raiment. God made it so, he put so much pressure on the Egyptians that they were happy to see him go. They would, have, they would have given them anything that they wanted just to get them out of Egypt. I'm telling you, God will make Satan so nervous that he'll just give you anything to get you out of his control. He'll do anything to release you of that sickness. Hallelujah. And look at verse 36, the first three words, and the Lord. Everybody say, and the Lord. Say it again, say, and the Lord. You know, God wants to partner with you. Jesus said, I I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll I'll be with you always, okay? And the Lord gave the people favor. In the sight of the Egyptians, so they lent unto them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. Oh, what's another word for spoil? They plundered the Egyptians. You talk about having a downturn in the economy. The the downturn in the economy because something shifted from one group to another group. By the favor of God. They didn't lift a spear. They didn't have a revolution. They just simply borrowed stuff. (laughs) Someone say amen. All right, go to Psalm 105. Psalm 105 and verse 37. Psalm 105, verse 37. Hmm. This is called before, during, and after. This is the after effect. Psalm 105, verse 37. Notice what it says. This this psalmist is writing a recount of what happened. Okay? This is like a history record right here. Verse 37. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribe. My goodness, not only did they get wealth, they got health. You talk about going to the next level. If you have felt like a slave, slaves are mistreated. Slaves don't get the best things. They don't sleep in the best houses. They don't wear the best clothes. But God said he brought them out with silver and gold and not one was feeble among them. You're talking about two to three million people. Two to three million. Not one feeble. Everybody said not one. Oh, I'm telling you. See, that was a new level. And God took them out of slavery. And see, when God takes you out of something, that's not the end. He's going to take you into something better. They went from slavery to a land flowing with milk and honey. They went from lack and want into plenty and abundance. That's a level up. How many want to level up? God brought you here tonight so that you can level up. It's not too late for you to level up. 
It's not impossible for you to go to the next level. It's not impossible for you to increase. I don't care what your age is. I don't care where you're at in life. You can increase. God wants you to increase. God's favor will cause you increase. All right? I want to talk about another guy, an individual named Jacob, who leveled up. Who leveled up. All right? Let's go to Genesis chapter 30. Now, Jacob was a twin. And he had a brother named Esau. And Jacob hung around with his mom in the kitchen. And Esau was a bow hunter. He liked wild game. And uh, one day, Jacob was cooking some stew. And Esau, that day, he was a vegetarian. You know what a vegetarian is? That's a bad hunter. No, just kidding. (laughs) No, he, he was hunting, but he didn't get anything. Okay? So he'd been out in the woods. He'd been scouting game. He'd been sitting up there watching it, but he couldn't get anything. Nothing came his way. And he came where Jacob was, and Jacob had this stew. Jacob had some chili. Let's just use chili tonight. He had this pot of chili. And Esau said, oh, that smells good. I want that chili. And and Jacob said, okay, you can have it, but you've got to give me your birthright. Oh, what's my birthright to to me? Take my birthright. I want to feed my belly, not my spirit. Be careful. When you feed your flesh over your spirit, it's going to cost you later. And uh, anyway, so Jacob got the birthright, which gave him access to the blessing. He ended up stealing the blessing, all right? That's, God, God doesn't use thievery to do things, but in, in Jacob's case, he was a supplanter. He was a trickster. He listened to his mama, and uh, he deceived his brother out of the blessing, and now Esau wanted to kill him, all right? And uh, so his mom and dad sent him away by himself, and they thought he'd, he'd be back in seven days. It was 20 years later. All right? Anyway, Jacob found his way to his uncle's house, Laban. And he met the love of his life, which was Rachel. And he wanted to marry her and... When he thought he was marrying Rachel, he ended up with Leah. And so he hung around Laban. All right, and we're going to pick up the story here in Genesis chapter 30. And uh, let's go down to verse uh, 25. Genesis 30, verse 25. And it came to pass, when Rachel had borne Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Send me away, that I may go unto my own place, to my own country. He'd been working for Laban for 20 years. All right? And Laban said to him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in your eyes, tarry. For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Laban was Jacob's boss. 
All right? And Laban realized the value of Jacob. I'm blessed because you're working for me. Just like Potiphar was blessed because Joseph was in the house. Amen? You know you're blessed when the ungodly say you're blessed. When the ungodly people around you recognize what God is doing. So Laban said, why don't you stay? See, now Laban was more of a trickster than Jacob. But see, when you trick people, you're going to get tricked. What you sow is what you reap. Be careful what you sow. Okay? And uh, verse 28, and he said, appoint me your wages and I will give it. And he said unto him, you know how, this is Jacob talking now, verse 29. You know how I have served you and how your cattle was with me. It was a little while, it was a little which you had before I came, and it is now increased unto a multitude. Everybody say increased. When you got the blessing of God on you, things are going to increase. Are you ready for increase? Are you ready to go up? Are you ready to progress, to move to the next level, to go up higher, to step up? Amen? Okay? So, uh, you had a little before I came, and now it's increased unto a multitude, and the Lord has blessed you since my coming. See, Jacob knows it's not him, it's the Lord. All right? And now, when shall I provide for my own house also? And he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flock. Everybody say one thing. Okay? I will pass through all the flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted cattle, all the brown cattle among the sheep, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and of such shall be my hire. Okay? So Jacob is negotiating all the speckled and spotted sheep and, and goats, all right? All the white ones and all the all black ones were going to be Laban's. All the mixed ones were going to be Jacob's. Okay? Verse 33. So, so shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come when it shall come from my hire before your face, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the sheep, that shall be counted stolen with me. Okay? And Laban said, Behold, uh, I would it might be according to your word. He said, Okay, I agree. Laban agrees. All right? But Laban is not a man of his word. Laban is a trickster. Laban is, Laban is a conniver. Okay? Notice what happens. Verse 35. And he removed that day the goats that were ring-straked and spotted, and all the she-goats that were speckled and spotted, and everyone that had some white in it, and all the brown among the sheep, and gave them to the hands of his son. So what does Laban do? He agrees to pay these wages. Now he takes all the speckled, spotted, and colored sheep, and he takes them away, puts them into his sons. And what do they do? Okay? 
And he set three days journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. I don't know how Jacob didn't know that this was happening. Maybe he didn't see that there was a decrease in the speckled and spotted sheep all of a sudden. But when the, when the deck is stacked against you, God can come in and take you to the next level. It doesn't matter who comes against you. It doesn't matter what obstacle is before you. God can work it out on your behalf. So Jacob got some rods. I just happen to have some rods here. Can I have two people? I need two volunteers. All right. You hold one up, and you hold one up. Now, I must confess, these were prearranged. But they give you the idea. Okay? Jacob took him rods of poplar and of the hazel and chestnut tree, and he peeled white streaks in them and made the white appear which was in the rod. So he basically stripped the bark, right? And he made it look like a barber's pole. Okay? All right. <laughs> and uh, he set the rods, which he had pilled before the flocks, in the gutters in the watering troughs when the flocks came to drink. Okay, so th- when the sheep came to drink, he gave them a vision. He showed them something. Now, if a sheep can accomplish a vision, how much more can you accomplish a vision? If sheep can have what they see, can you have what, they, what you see? Okay? Aren't these good pillars? All right? So, the, the, he set them up because that's where the sheep conceived. And the flocks conceived before the rods. Everybody say before the rods. You know who else had a rod? His name was Moses. And you know with his rod, it was the key to open up the Red Sea. With his rod, it was the key to win uh, the victory over the Amalekites. Right? Moses did a lot with his rod. Okay? And uh, so... Jacob separated the lambs, and he set faces of the flocks toward the ring straked and all the brown in the flock of Laban, and he put his own flocks by themselves and put them not in Laban's cattle. So he is producing strong colored sheep, right? And he's setting them aside because he knows that Laban's not going to be good to his word. Okay? Now, And it came to pass, whenever the stronger cattle conceived, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters that they might conceive. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them aside. Because Jacob had the strong sheep, and Laban was left with the weak sheep. Okay? Now, and the man in verse 43 is the key. The man increased... Exceedingly. Everyone say exceedingly. He increased more than he expected. He increased. He went beyond. Listen, in God you can break limits. 
There's nothing that can hold you back, hold you down, or stop you. The man increased exceedingly and had much cattle, much servants, manservants, and camels and asses. Everybody say he increased exceedingly. Okay, you guys can put those back behind the piano. Thank you. Where did Jacob get this idea to do this? Was Jacob so smart that he came up with this idea to do these rods on his own? No, because he tells us where he got this idea in Genesis 31. Okay? Let's read this. Uh, starting with verse 1. Now, Jacob is increasing. He is going to the next level, right? The employer is becoming wealthier. I'm, I'm sorry. The employee is becoming wealthier than the employer. Is that going up another level? Okay. He heard the words of Laban's sons. Now, these were the same sons that took the spotted and speckled sheep. They thought they were going to outsmart Jacob. You may outsmart Jacob, but you're not going to outsmart God. Okay? Okay? The, the sons now are talking, and they say, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. Really? I thought they took away what, ja- what he agreed to pay Jacob. And of that which was our father's, has he gotten all this glory? All right, verse 2. Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not for him as before. <laughs> you know, when you outsmart the devil, his, his countenance changes. Amen? Laban was frustrated because Laban thought he had Jacob. Laban thought he could stop Jacob, but Jacob had God. And you and God are a majority. Amen? Hallelujah. Okay? And so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock. And he said to them, verse 5, I see your father's countenance. It's not toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. Say, God's been with me. When God's with you, you're going to go over. Okay? He said to them, uh, uh, okay, uh, verse 6, and you know that with all my power, I have served your father. He, he was a good worker, okay? He, he, he took care of things. He was responsible. All right, verse 7, your father has deceived me and changed my wages ten times. Everybody say ten times. If your wage changed ten times in 20 years and it didn't go up, Would that make you happy? Some of you would get ticked off. Some of you would resort to complaining. Oh, that Laban, I can't stand that Laban. How how he's cheating me out of these wages. It's not Laban's fault. Listen, quit complaining and start praising. And watch how God will change your situation. With all my power, I've served your father. He's deceived me ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. What is your attitude 
when you experience a loss. Jacob was expressing faith in God. All right? If he said, the speckled shall be my wages, then all the cattle produce speckled. If he said, the ring strike shall be your wages, then all, all the sheep bear ring strike. Thus God has taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. <laughs> Woo! God has taken away someone who tried to cheat you, someone who tried to hurt you, someone who tried to stop you, someone who tried to detain you, and he gave them to you. What happened to the guy who had one talent, who went and hid his talent? The master gave him one talent, but he went and hid it. He did nothing with it. He was embarrassed about it. He didn't didn't want to do anything with it, but yet he dug a hole. I mean, he took the time to dig a hole, right? If you're going to take the time to dig a hole, at least do some trading. My goodness. He, he dug a hole and he buried it. What happened to his talent? It was given to the one who had ten. It was taken away and given to the one who had ten, right? Okay? Now, verse 11. The angel of God spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, here am I. He said, lift up now your eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring straked, speckled and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban has done unto you. God knows exactly what's happening with you. All right. He said, I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar and where you vowed a vow. He, he, he committed to be a tither. He committed to be a follower of God. He, he, he made a vow. He said, God, if you bring me back home in peace, if you feed me and you clothe me, he said, I'll give you a tithe of everything that I have. And you know what? God brought him back in peace. God fed him. God clothed him. God kept his part. Jacob kept his part. And it works beautifully. He said, Now now arise, get out from this land, and return unto the land of your kindred. So Jacob, he had his wages changed ten times. That's the low level, right? But he believed God. And God gave him a dream. God gave him a way to increase sheep in an abnormal way. Let's just put some strip bark in front of the sheep and watch him produce. Hallelujah. You know, God's got ways of prospering you. God's got ways of getting you to the next level. God's got ways of propelling you forward to launching you into orbit. Hallelujah. But you need some fire. you got to have the fire of the Holy Ghost. Rockets need fire. We've got fire, glory to God. So Laban, I mean Jacob was propelled to the next level by putting stripped sticks in the ground, or in the trough actually. (laughs) Hallelujah. Check this out. Lazarus leveled up. He went from being dead to being alive. That's a move up, isn't it? (laughs) Jesus leveled up when he was finished with his work and he he was resurrected. What did he do? 
He ascended into heaven. He didn't even have an elevator. He didn't even have an airplane. He just went up and away. That's called leveling up. Amen? David leveled up. He went from being a shepherd to a giant slayer to an armor bearer to a king. That's moving up. You know, how many, how many watched uh, the Jetsons? Uh, George Jetson? What was that called? Jeffersons. Yeah, Je- I'm sorry. I'm, I'm combining two things. Jetsons were, had the flying cars. No, George Jefferson. I'm moving on up to a deluxe apartment in the sky. How many of you all want to move up tonight? You came here tonight so that you could level up. All right? Peter leveled up. He, he fished all night long and caught nothing until he let Jesus use his boat. And when Jesus used his boat, he said, cast your net to the other side. Oh, I toiled all night. I don't feel like it. But he said, nevertheless, at your word. Say, nevertheless, at your word. Let me tell you something, guys. If you want to level up, you've got to start obeying the word. You want to overcome the world? You use the word. The word is your shield and your sword. The word is your weaponry. The word is your defense. The word is your offense. Did Jesus, what did Jesus do to resist the enemy tempting him? Did he get out a tank? Did he get out a missile launcher? Did he get out a nuclear bomb? No, he got out something more powerful. Three words, it is written. It is written. That was enough to stop the enemy in his tracks. And you give the enemy enough word and he won't hang around too long. Three times, the enemy left him for a season. Mary leveled up when she gave a year's wages in an alabaster box. Say a year's wage. That's what, was, that's what that alabaster box was worth. She broke that sucker open and anointed Jesus with a year's wage. Say, I'm leveling up. Say, it's time for me to level up. You know, it's like the guy. He said, I ate a clock. And the other guy said, you ate a clock? He said, yeah, it was very time consuming. Sorry, I picked those jokes. Hallelujah. How can I level up? How many want to know how to level up? Let me give you a few simple things on how we can level up. All right? Number one, you got to speak the word. God told Joshua the keys to prosperity and success. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. So speak the word, meditate in the word, and do the word. Everybody say, speak the word, meditate in the word, do the word. 
That'll get you to the next level. You got to be like Abraham and call those things that be not as though they are. Look at Romans 4.17 for a second. I'm not going to keep you long here. We're going to be in here just soon. Romans 4.17. Look at what it says. As it is written, according to the word, I have made you a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things which be not as though they are, as though they were. The angel called Gideon a mighty man of valor. Jesus called the 5,000 men, not to mention the women and the children, fed. He said, he, he said you feed the people. And the disciples were freaking out. Feed them? Well, we could spend this much money, but that's not going to be enough. Oh, here's a little boy with some lunch, but what is that among so many? You know, that little boy, he gave his lunch and he left with 12 baskets. That's pretty, that's, that's another level. Where's your lunch, honey? Oh, they're bringing it in the wagons. What do you mean the wagons? Well, how's he going to carry 12 baskets? Amen? What happened to your lunch? Jesus multiplied it. This is what we got back on. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay? So you got to call those things that be not as though they are. you got to speak what you believe. Go to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Notice, he didn't say speak what you feel. You can't speak what you experienced. I mean, you can, but it's not going to do you any good. You've got to speak what you believe. 2 Corinthians 4.13. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. You've got to speak what you believe. He says, we also believe and therefore speak. One of the first actions that we can do in obeying God is speaking his word. How did you get saved? Did a, star, did a star fall out of the sky and knock you down? How did you get saved? You had to use your mouth. You had to confess Jesus as Lord. You had to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Now, there was a group of Pharisees. They believed that Jesus was Lord, but they never confessed it. You know what? Never did him any good. If you have a belief and you don't say it, that belief's not going to do you any good. You've got to act on your belief. Amen? Here's another way to level up. Well, I said you've got to believe and confess with your mouth. Go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Another way to level up is you've got to go from dead faith to living faith. You know what the angel told the women who came to the tomb? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? So many people are trying to get wealth out of the dead. Why? Get wealth out of the living. Amen? You're going to get more out of something that's living than something that's dead. James chapter 2, verse 20. Or no, uh, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead. 
Your faith has to do something. You have to act on God's word. That means give a corresponding action. All right? Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. You need to go from worrying to rejoicing. James, in James 1, it says, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials and temptations. How many ever fallen down? Did you stay down? What do you do when you fall down? You get back up. Can you imagine a football player getting tackled? Say, I've been tackled. I can't get up. They're not going to play too long, are they? I'm not talking about one to get injured. I'm talking about he's fine. He just got tackled, but he doesn't want to get up. Amen? You know why baseball players are smarter than football players? Have you ever have you ever heard a baseball team having too many too many men on the field? All right. Go to Philippians chapter 3 and then I'm done. Philippians chapter 3 tells us how to go further, how to go higher, and how to accomplish greater things. How many want to go further? How many want to go higher? How many want to accomplish greater things than you have before? Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Listen, what you gain in this world can't compare what Christ will give you. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things uh, but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. You everybody know what dung is? Stuff you don't want to step in because it stinks. All right? <laughs> that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Right now, tonight, guys, you can know him and you can know the power of his resurrection. You have, even though, oh, when he rose from the dead, he gave us the power of the resurrection. He made it available to us. He put it in us. That's what's working in us right now. The resurrection power of God is at work in you right now. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Verse 11, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing. Ever say one thing. He makes it real simple. One thing. One thing. He said, uh, I press toward the mark, forgetting those things which are behind. Listen, guys, there's some things you've got to let go. Quit, quit trying to drive your life in your rearview mirror. There's bigger things to see in your windshield. Your rearview rear mirror is just for a glimpse. It's just to see where you've been. It's just to see what's behind you. But you've got bigger things ahead of you. Your future is brighter than it is right now. And it's going to get brighter and brighter. 
Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Come on, guys, you got to stretch. You got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to make yourself so uncomfortable that you, you got to break that comfort zone. Break out of that bubble. Break out of those chains. Come on, stretch yourself a little bit. Be in a church service and get a little radical. Take a lap around the sanctuary. Oh my gosh, what will people think? What will God think if He tells you to do it and you don't? I'm not talking about doing it in the flesh. I'm talking about doing let, being led by the Holy Spirit. Listen, I see guys at sporting events. They're all into it. They're rooting for whoever is playing or whoever is doing the thing. But they come to church. You're going to root for someone, for an athlete or whatever, more than you will for Jesus? Come on. I press toward the mark for the prize. Guys, there's a prize ahead of you. There's a prize, but you've got to press in to get it. <laughs> People don't win gold medals by, you know, a track race, right? They all start at a line. The gun fires. Everybody's running but you. Why? Oh, the prize is going to come to me. No, it's not. Get your little feet moving. You've got to run the race. You've got to fight the fight. You've got to walk the walk. You've got to talk the talk. You've got to live the life. Press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's time to press in. It's time to move forward. It's time to get off your little duff because you've had enough of sitting down. It's time to stand for Jesus. It's time to stand up and be counted. Amen. Stand to your feet, guys. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've given you a lot, but I haven't given, given you all that I have. You know, blessed are the short-winded, for they shall be invited back. Oh, wait a minute. I wasn't invited. I, no. Now is crunch time, guys. This is a moment of decision. You all know where you are, how you are when you came in here, when you walked into this place. And I'm challenging you that there's more for you. I'm challenging you that there's something greater for you. I'm challenging you that you can step into increase. Right here, right now. I believe with all my heart, with the word that God gave me, there's an anointing to bring this about. Just like he anointed Israel with favor, just like he anointed Jacob with a... a <laughs> he, he, he gave him a way to get money that no one thought it could get, you could get money from. How'd you get so rich, Jacob? I used some sticks. New book by Jacob, The Stick Theory, how to, how to Acquire Great Riches. Think about that. God used sticks of peeled bark to make a man prosper when it seemed impossible. Wages changed ten times. He rose above that because of his attitude, because of who he believed, who he trusted, who he, was, who he was in covenant with. God brought him up. And now he's, he's, he's 
We, we say Abraham, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a nation called Israel after his name with 12 tribes after his sons that still exists today. God's word still works today. It's not for then, it's for right now because faith is now. Amen? Now, if you're here tonight and you'd like to come up higher, you'd like to go to the next level, I just want you to raise your hand. And if that's you, I want you to come up front right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. And we're going to pray because you know what? I can't make it happen, but God can make it happen. God made it happen for Israel. God made it happen for Jacob. Amen. Maybe you just need to have a greater commitment in your life for the Lord and for the things of God. Maybe you need to just walk in love and get rid of your insecurities. Hallelujah. Everybody gets shoulder to shoulder unless you're catching people. Hallelujah. Go ahead and play something. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus.